Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is the Wednesday broadcast. Thank you for joining me. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church. And today, I want to talk to you about habits of happiness. Now, the premise of what we want to talk about today is that happy people, one of the habits they have is that they are always in the habit of growing, always developing, always becoming more like Christ. And sometimes that involves repurposing our lives and repurposing our agenda. You know, the Bible Walk Museum is located in Mansfield, Ohio. And this wonderful museum is a collection of more than 300 wax figures. They've got guided tours that include the miracles of the Old Testament, the life of Christ, uh, the heart of the Reformation. There's actually a museum of Christian martyrs. There's a journey called the Amazing Grace, which is chronicling the journeys of the Apostle Paul. Uh, And then there's Dinner with Grace, which are Bible-themed dinner theater on the property. Well, many of these museums' wax figures come from closed wax museums from around the country, where they bought these old wax figures, and they would use these, and they would repurpose them. Uh, Some of them were celebrities in their previous lives. For instance, there's a wax figure of Prince Charles, who now, of course, is King Charles. Now, he was transformed, and now at this wax museum, he's no longer King Charles. He is now Abel, the murdered brother of Cain. And then there's a wax figure from Prince Philip, and now that has been transitioned to be an angel. Elizabeth Taylor is now in a scene with King Solomon. Uh, She is playing the part of the Queen of Sheba. Uh, Steve McQueen and John Travolta's roles have changed as well. Tom Cruise has been recast as Jesus, and journalists and comedians have come from all over the place, and they fill up this museum, and they're reusing celebrity figures. However, the director of this sees a bigger purpose behind this, and she says, deep down, we believe that God sends each person here. So I want to make sure that as much as it's in me, that they're getting out of their experience here everything that God wanted them to get. In other words, she has created this museum, the Bible Walk Museum, to reflect God's glory and to allow people to see the stories of the Bible in a real way that she hopes that will allow them to be all that God wants them to be. When we think about habits of happiness, I say often that we are as happy as we want to be. You choose to be happy. One of the things I've noticed about happy people is that they are constantly growing. They are in the situation they find themselves in, but they're always growing through that situation. As a matter of fact, there was a survey done not too long ago where they were observing the common denominators that all growing churches have. And it wasn't theology, it wasn't location, it wasn't buildings, or it wasn't philosophy. There were several things that growing churches all had in common. One is that growing churches was always starting new groups. They were growing through additional groups, always starting new groups, new ministries. Secondly, all growing churches were led by growing leaders. Pastors that were growing, uh, not only growing deeper in their faith, not only growing educationally, 
uh, not only growing deeper philosophically, but in a continuous, ongoing fashion. You see, you can never be satisfied with where you are. You always have to be striving to be more like Christ. And so I think there's a connection between faithful Christians who are growing and faithful Christians who are happy. There's a promise that is given to us, and the psalmist says that if you delight yourself in the Lord, He will give you the desires of your hearts. We are told that we're going to grow in wisdom and understanding. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus also said, the desire of the righteous will be granted. So I want to encourage you to grow. And so today in the broadcast, we're actually going to spell out the word grow. We grow in happiness by growing in Jesus. Now, this involves some parameter things that we must understand, but humility is a big factor in our happiness. Humility produces happiness, and Jesus is the greatest example of that. You see, when we look at growing in happiness, unity cannot be forced. Pride can never create unity. Somebody gave a great acrostics for what pride stands for. Pride is pushing right into divine exclusion. In other words, as I'm filled with myself, I'm pushing out Christ. I'm building a wall, not a bridge. You see, Jesus himself became our peace. And there's two groups that he came to destroy. There's a divining wall of hostility, and he broke down that barrier. So if you really want to be a happy person, you can't be filled with pride. Now, the hard thing about pride is, I guess you could say it's kind of like bad breath. The person that has it doesn't think he has it, but the person who has it, everybody else knows has it. First Peter chapter 5 tells us that we should clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. Why should we do this? Well, Peter's very clear. God opposes the proud, but he shows grace or he shows favor to the humble. So therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he will lift you up in due time. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. And so when you are filled with pride, you're actually going opposite or opposing God. Well, why does God hate pride so much? Well, let me give you just four quick reasons why God hates pride. Well, first of all, pride dishonors him. We are taking glory for ourselves that only belongs to God. And I got to admit, we all struggle with being glory hogs, right? We love the attention to be on us. Matter of fact, we love it so much that I remember as a kid growing up, I so craved affirmation. I had a low self-esteem, and I would go to school, and the teacher would ask questions, and I had no idea what the answer was. <laughs> Maybe you can relate, right? You're sitting in a class, and, and it seems like everybody is kind of in sync with what's going on except me. I, I was there like, I have no idea what's going on here in this classroom. And so I discovered that I could come back with a smart answer, and everybody start laughing. And uh, as everybody was laughing on the outside, I was, I was crying on the inside because I got everybody to laugh because that was hiding my insecurity. 
I wanted everybody to think well of me. I wanted to have everybody to glorify me, but I just didn't have what it took. And I was dishonoring God by by trying to bring attention to myself. Pride also destroys people. Uh, You know, when you have to cut somebody down in order to build yourself up, God hates it when we cut people down. You know, he has come to, to give us life and to give us life more abundantly. God hates pride because it dishonors him. God hates pride because it destroys people. God also hates pride, number three, because it defeats our peace. You see, self-worship will never bring about peace. It always leaves us empty. It totally defeats us of that peace that passes all understanding. Because in order to receive that peace that passes all understanding, we have to surrender ourselves completely to Christ. There's something else that I noticed that God hates pride because it disconnects us from God's care. We say, well, I don't need God. And if you say, I don't need God, he will obligate you. You can try to live without him, and and he'll let you attempt to do that. But the more you try to live a pride-filled life, the more disconnected from him you are. And you lose his care. You know, I have somebody that I love dearly who is in my family who is battling addiction. Now, the, the tragedy is, is that this person will not bring themselves to the point of acknowledging that they are battling with this terrible addiction. And as a result, this addiction, this pride-driven addiction, has forced this person to be disconnected from the family and no longer receiving the care and the love and, and the support of the family. That's what addiction does. It separates us from those that we love. And, and, and we live this life of insanity because we refuse to defeat pride. We refuse to acknowledge that pride is taking us down. Well, I want you to know that when we confess our pride, then we begin to grow. You know, in the Bible, there are some if-then statements. So today, I want to look at a passage of Scripture in the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 11 is where I kind of like to focus, but let's begin at verses 1 through 4. And these are what I call if-and-then statements that will realign us so that we can be filled with joy. So Paul says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the spirit and one of mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. So I said, these are if and then statements. Let's look at them one by one. If we get courage united with Christ, we are united and we are encouraged. So here is the courage that we need. By receiving this courage, we can be encouraged. 
and we can encourage others. If we get courage, we're united with Christ, united and encouraged. If we get comfort from his love, we're able to share that comfort and love with others. If we get common sharing from the Spirit, we share happily. If we get compassion and tenderness, we give tenderness. So when we receive these, we give these. You see, there's four kinds of harmony that we can live joyfully with. Mental, spiritual, emotional, and directional. So when we get courage by being united with Christ, our mind is at peace. When we get comfort from His love, we are emotionally at peace. When we get common sharing from His Spirit, we are spiritually at peace. And when we are focused on compassion and tenderness, our direction toward that person brings about tenderness. You say, okay, all this is important, all this is helpful, but how can I grow in unity and in humility? Well, we're going to spell out the word grow. Letter G, we grow by glorifying God exclusively. Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, trusting God exclusively. Paul says, therefore God exalted him, that's Christ, to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every other name, that in the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue shall acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So godly decisions here is that I'm going to glorify God exclusively. That is going to determine my destiny. Everything I do is at the backdrop of glorifying God. Maybe this illustration will help to understand this point better. In 1943, there was a young pastor that was offered the opportunity to take over a very popular gospel radio program called Songs in the Night. Now, since the cost of keeping the program on air was rather high, this pastor, who had a large vision to read souls with the gospel, told his board that he'd be willing to forego part of his salary to help defray the cost involved. The suggestion was eventually accepted by the board. Now, this young pastor then approached a well-known gospel singer requesting him to sing and to lead the choir for this program. After initially trying to back out, the singer eventually agreed to help out. The decision will change the course of his life and his ministry forever. He later said, It was the beginning, the humble beginning, of an unbelievable journey. It was exciting to be part of something wonderfully unfolding. That young pastor, 1943, was a pastor by the name of Billy Graham. And that young choir director was a singer by the name of George Beverly Shea. You see, these two men humbled themselves, took on an opportunity that nobody else wanted to deal with, set aside their desires to make money, and they set forth this desire to glorify God in everything that they did. And by doing that, by trusting God, they realized that they grew in their faith. God honored them because God could trust them. They glorified God in everything. You know, I've never seen a sad person who glorifies God. 
There's something about glorifying God exclusively that brings joy to all parts of your life. Well, here's the second step. All right, glorify God, number one. Number two, reflect on others. Or another way of putting this is think well of others. And now we're in verses five and six, Philippians chapter two. Paul says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So humility is not putting myself down. It's lifting others up. And if I'm going to lift others up, I've got to first think well of others. This is one of those things you can't fake it till you can make it. And you've got to really think well of others if you're going to be interested in reflecting on them and interesting in helping them. ABC correspondent Sam Donaldson was interviewing a young African-American soldier in a tank platoon on the eve of the battle in Desert Storm. Donaldson asked this young soldier, how do you think the battle will go? Are you afraid? And this is what that soldier replied. We'll do okay. We're well-trained, and I'm not afraid. And the GI answered, gesturing toward his buddies all around him, I'm not afraid because I'm with family. The other soldiers shouted out, tell him again. He didn't hear you. The soldier repeated, this is my family, and we'll take care of each other. When you think about happy people, they not only glorify God, but they reflect on others. They realize that God has placed them part of a family, not just a biological family, but a Christian family, a church family, where you stick together through good times and bad times. That's the same mindset that Jesus had, who was in the very nature of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He didn't look at this relationship with God, something to use that he could make himself rich or make himself popular or to make himself healthy. He says, I'm not going to use my relationship with God to my own advantage. He realized that he came with a purpose. He was thinking about us. He had us on his mind. When he was on that cross 2,000 years ago, he wasn't thinking about how bad it was. The Bible even tells us that he was able to endure that pain and that suffering because he was thinking about the future. He was looking at his eternal reign in heaven, a place where he's going to spend with us because of the sacrifice that he was making. Listen, the happiest people in the world are not those who are the takers. It's always those who are giving, giving their lives, thinking well of others, investing in others. And then letter O, as we spell growing, The letter O stands for offering sacrificially for others. You see, verse 8 says, In being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now, this is a deeper level of commitment, offering sacrificially for others. You know, during World War II, chaplains would lay down their lives for others. There's one particular story that caught my attention, and it's a story that was of a U.S. Army transport ship that had 902 servicemen. And this ship was struck by a German submarine. 
As you can imagine, panic and chaos quickly set in as the men raced for lifeboats in that frigid water off the coast of Greenland. In the midst of all this pandemonium, four army chaplains worked to calm the frightened men. One was a Jewish rabbi, one was a Methodist, one was a Roman Catholic priest, and one was a Dutch Reformed minister. On the deck of that ship, they worked to distribute life vests to the soldiers who were trying to escape the frigid waters. When they ran out, each minister simultaneously removed their jacket and gave them to the soldiers. They didn't call out for soldiers who were in their particular tradition. They simply gave their jackets, their life jackets, to the man next in line. One survivor would later say, It was the finest thing I have seen or hoped to see this side of heaven. As the ship went down, the survivors in nearby rafts could see the four chaplains, armed linked, embraced against the slanting deck. Their voices could also be heard, offering prayers and, and singing hymns. Of the 902 men aboard, only 230 survived. Congress later confirmed a posthumous Medal of Heroism to these four chaplains. The medal for these chaplains was handed to them and to their families. You see, before boarding that Dorchester, the Dutch Reformed minister, Chaplain Poling, asked his father to pray for him. Not for my safe return. That wouldn't be fair. Just pray that I shall do my duty. Never be a coward and have the strength and the courage to understand men. Just pray that I shall be adequate. Well, there's one final point I've got to give to you. If you want to grow, you've got to work for others. Verse 7 says, He made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant. He made himself in human likeness. You know, there's a letter that was written by a Southern Baptist missionary who was a missionary in Iraq. Prior to leaving for the Middle East, this letter was dated March the 7th, 2003. This missionary, Karen, was killed along with four other missionaries on March 15th of 2004. Here's what the letter says. Dear Pastor Phil, you should only be opening this letter in the event of my death. When God calls, there are no regrets. I tried to share my heart with you as much as possible. My heart for the nations. I wasn't called to a place. I was called to Him. To obey was my objective. To suffer was expected. His glory, my reward. His glory, my reward. One of the most important things to remember right now is to persevere in the work. I am writing this as if I am still working with my people group. I thank you all so much for your prayers and for your support. Surely your reward in heaven will be great. Thank you for investing in my life and spiritual well-being. Keep sending missionaries out. Keep raising up fine young pastors. In regards to any service, keep it simple. Keep it small. Yes, simple. Just preach the gospel. Be bold and preach the life-saving, life-changing, forever eternal gospel. Give glory and honor to our Father. Here we see a missionary heart. The missionary heart is one that cares more for others than he does for himself, who will risk what others may think is crazy. In his care, this missionary 
closed off this letter with the word shalom, peace. The peace of God will rest upon you as you grow in his grace. You see, humility can only come from those who actually have something about which to be humble. The humble are those who could could crow, but choose to keep their beak shut. Humility is also a close associate of gratitude. And it's an attribute that simply oozes with class. Oh, if you want to be happy, the way up is the way down. Jesus says you want to be great in my kingdom, you've got to be servant of all. You see, it seems like it's almost opposite as to what the world tells us will bring about happiness. Joy is found in the presence of the Lord. When I was just a kid, I learned the acrostics for joy. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. And that is how you will have long-lasting joy. Keep growing in your faith. Keep glorifying God. Keep reaching out to others. Keep offering yourself sacrificially for others and keep working for others. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the broadcast. Please call me if I can pray for you, 252-267-2365. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.